What's up and welcome to another MoGraph MoCast. I'm Dave. And I'm Matt. Joining us today from Wild Capture, Mr. Will Driscoll. Hey folks, thanks for having me. Uh, pleased to be on this podcast. <laughs> hey community. And MoGraph is a supplement to our site, MoGraph.com, which is a motion graphics tutorial site with tutorials, plugins, podcasts, and other MoGraph stuff. And on the show, we talk about everything ranging from motion graphics to Cinema 4D, After Effects, plugins, render engines, doing business, doing taxes, being a contractor, or working for the man. You can email us, info at MoGraph.com. Let us know what you think about the show, questions, comments, concerns, queries, grievances, artists, suggestions, show topic ideas. We are on MoGraph.com and YouTube.com slash MoGraph, conveniently, if you'd like to check out our schedule, check out some of the other episodes, uh, maybe some of the other stuff we got going on there on the site, actually, speaking of which, mm. uh, still putting out those articles there. If you'd like to see some some cool articles um, on Cinema 4D and motion graphics, check that out. Uh, there's been a couple lately. Um, and I haven't really talked about them or anything, so mm -hmm. go check them out. And um, yeah, if if you have a question about motion graphics, if you're just getting into it, uh, you want to know more about it, feel free to email us. You know, don't don't feel shy or scared to email us. Mm -hmm. We love hearing from people. We love knowing that you're out there and <clears> that we're not screaming into a void. Sometimes one of us, <laughs> or maybe even both, will answer you. <laughs> Um, and, uh, 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 what was I going to say? Oh, oh, uh, give us a, give us a lowdown on where we are right now with Camp MoGraph. Camp um, MoGraph? there's any updates that you want to talk about or anything right now. We're kind of in the Nothing I really want to talk about. We have been yeah. working hard at, you know, booking flights and, uh, figuring out swag, cool swag items. Yeah. Oh man, I'm so excited for everyone to see some of the other stuff that we've got, we've got, uh, in store for people. It's really, really cool. I'm very excited, but nothing, nothing on that front. Uh, we do actually, you know, I will mention, um, for those coming to camp, we are actually working on doing a Camp MoGraph portal mm. to where um, people who are coming to camp can sign in and see a rundown of like everything like signing up for the shuttle or letting us know if you're tent camping or what things you should bring and stuff. So it's one page on the site where you will be able to get all that stuff, all that information, which is awesome. Yes, and I it's, think it's not the great. it's not the thing that went out by accident last. No, week. <laughs> that we some, were trying to yeah. figure out like a members area thing on Wix, which is what we use for the site, and like it's like, oh, okay, let's send out a thing to everyone who subscribes to this. It's like, no, like, oh no, no, we didn't. So if you got an email, up. we apologize. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. It'll be it'll be really convenient. You know, we got everyone's flights booked, so that's a lot of fun, and that was a lot of work. Um, but yeah, super excited. Uh, big shout out to our sponsors. Uh, uh, give them a big shout out. Uh, first, of course, is our uh, our global sponsor Otoy, who is sponsoring the whole event. So we're super excited to have them on board. And then our two village sponsors, Maxon and Video Copilot. And then our gold sponsor, Grayscale Gorilla. So thank you so much to all of our sponsors for helping us keep ticket prices down and bring in some amazing fun stuff and get some cool swag for everyone. Mm -hmm. So. If you're coming to camp, make sure you add a little bit room in your, you know, travel suitcase or whatever so that you can, uh, you know, bring some of your swag. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> 
Yeah, any, so. anything else in that area? We're, we're going to have a lot more updates as we get closer, but... Yeah, uh, dude, it's only a... F- it's like three less than three man, months away. I can't believe it. That is it. crazy. That I is am... Crazy. I'm so pumped. Yeah. So... It's going to be fun. Yeah. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. Super exciting. Um, yeah, and uh, that's almost it for the week wrap-up. I've, I've been playing more with Mid-Journey. Just absolutely. Yeah. You, you had a chance to I, play with it. I right? did get on it. Yeah, I got on yeah. it. So here's the thing that, like, uh, my brother pointed this out because I was telling him about it, you know. And, like, he's a, he's a photographer. He does a lot of photography stuff for, like, you know, actual, like, electronics and stuff. And he's like, all right. I said, give me a prompt. And he gave me a prompt of, like, woman sitting at a desk uh, with the uh, computer lighting her face and wearing a VR headset or something like mm-hmm. that. The thing is, like, the details just aren't there, you know, that I've noticed with some of this AI stuff versus, like, Dolly that I've seen on, you know, some of the renders that people have been doing. Mm -hmm. Like, Dolly is nice. Like, it actually gets those fine details and stuff like that. But, you know... Uh, it's it, for me. It's an amazing starting place. Exactly. You know, if you're trying to find like a really good like style frame or something like that, and you can actually like do it. There was a few that I saved uh, that I'm like, I I just want to recreate these in 3D and use right. this as the starting point and stuff like that. One of my uh, and then uh, for fun, you know, I did uh, what was it? It was Austin Powers in the style of Beeple. You know. <laughs> That's funny. So, that was fun. Winkleman there. Right? I know, it kind of does. So, this was the fourth. More like Winkleman in the style of Austin Powers. Right? (laughs) So, anyway, that was fun. Will, have you you played with any of the AI stuff yet? Um, I, I played with those. I played with the digital, uh, was it digital diffusion? There's, there's a whole bunch of them that kind of just came all at once. Mm Um, I, I've been, you know the the avenue I I'm on usually is these weird scholarly uh, articles that you can just run through Python three that uh, you know I'm we're more into the pose estimation face face blending that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but I love I love how it's being simplified for artists just to mash things together so mm-hmm. um, I, I had to double take I'm like where is all this crazy generative art coming from and you know all, all of a sudden it's these these few packages all all at once kind of snuck up there yeah. yeah i'm still waiting for my dolly my dolly two invite I, yeah. I put it in a long time ago that one's harder to get into than some of the others but uh you know i didn't try spread. like uh I'm, I'm curious if you were to do the exact same prompt over and over again does it give you the same results no. or man no. so it's in something fact, brand new every single time yeah i mean it might look similar you know, because mm-hmm. when you do a prompt in Mid Journey and you say, you know, iterate on this one and you hit V1 yeah. or whatever, it's yeah. it's kind of like that. It's just starting. Yeah. There's actually a, a refresh button to the right of those buttons. And if you hit it, oh, do a whole new four over. So if That's you have a prompt and you really want to get started, you could just do that same prompt like four or five times and get something yeah. really yeah. going, you know. But yeah. I call it the outboard imagination. Outboard imagination. Like your outboard brain, you know, is like uh-huh. your notepad. Your outboard imagination. Right. <laughs> like <laughs> I love I'm, that. I yeah, love that. I'm That's telling great. you. I like I have yeah. had like a second like uh just I, I don't know how to describe it. Like I, I've been doing I've I put out a couple dailies, I've been doing some stuff, you know, just experimenting with some things just to learn new software and stuff lately. And like mm-hmm. that has been such a great starting point of just 
getting that spark flowing. And I, I probably said that last week too. It's just it's better than opening blank Cinema 4D. Yeah, you know, or or even sure. better than doing a Google search for stuff. It doesn't really yeah. give you what you really have in your head, and something mm-hmm. will will hit. And you know, even the one I did the other day, um, I feel like it it didn't come up with what I came up with in the end. But mm-hmm. putting those prompts in and seeing what it came up with started getting the juices flowing. And then I'm like, oh wait, I need to. I, I'm going to do this. You know, yeah. it, it wasn't anything like what the AI came up with, but it still yeah. helped me just get out of that block and yeah. i mean it's i don't know i think it's great i think it's great i know some people are crapping on it but you yeah. know it's a tool it's a tool it's a tool exactly you know? it's, an, it's another tool to yeah that has its purposes gotta yeah. embrace it right um Michael yeah, i'm curious mm-hmm. i'm sorry to cut you off no go ahead um, I'm curious how it's going to impact speed art. So you've got the speed artists who do landscape and how that's going to translate to the next, mm-hmm. like generate 3d models from kits and whatnot. So, yeah, the question is like, you know, if you can, if you can, if you can somehow convert a picture into a 3d object, like for example, you just take a bunch of PNGs of like a whole bunch of spiders, right? And you, you and then you somehow generate those into 3D, you know, it's like, okay, now you use that spider prompt in there and then it gives you an actual 3D model, you know? Yeah. Like that that stuff to me is gonna be insane. Well, it's like what Otoy is doing with some of the AI generative stuff coming up in some of the new updates, you know, where it mm-hmm. can create 3D stuff based on photos, you know. That might yeah. be a cool way to, to go about it. Yeah. I think totally. we'll be patching together these different tools for a while, you know, yeah. until we get to something like that. But, right. Um, Michael in the chat says um, uh, he got uh, Dolly 2 super rad, but you only get 50 prompts a day and it flies by. Also, hey, hey. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Is that for paid Dolly 2 or is that I don't know like if there free? is paid right now for Dolly 2. I'm yeah. not sure about that. Because you only get a certain amount like uh for mid journey you only get a certain amount for free at yeah. all it's not per day right uh it's it's total yeah but yeah, i paid for yeah. it i i went for the i, I went all I in get, on the 30 bucks i got the I, notification and it's like yeah. you've got this much left and i was like oh i guess i'm done <laughs> and if you do the 30 uh then then you can dm the bot you can get all of oh. the bots dms you know, okay. And, and then, oh, and then it like sends it to you privately, so yeah. that you don't have to do it in the. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> so you don't feel embarrassed that you don't know how to write a right. prompt. It does right. show up in like some stream that they have somewhere of something, but like it's not in the Discord or whatever. It was interesting seeing some of the prompts that people were writing. You know, yeah, like some people trying to make like wallpapers and stuff like that. It's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, also, uh, very soon we are finally going to be mm-hmm. releasing the rtx on course with brandon yeah Uh, very exciting was built in uh unreal four point something something uh that doesn't mean that uh that it's irrelevant that that five is out there's a lot of stuff in five that's still in beta including like the ray tracing stuff in five is still technically in beta um unless it was came out of beta in 5.1 but i'm i don't think so um there's it's it's a course that is not designed for beginners on Unreal. I'm going to say that right now. Don't think you're going to jump into this and uh, if you've never used Unreal before. Right. Um, but this is a course to really help you 
lock in your ray tracing and work on getting real-time results with that ray tracing. You know, if you've ever tried to build something in Unreal, oh, it's real-time rendering. And then Mm -hmm. you get into it and you put a bunch of layers and other things in it, and all of a sudden this isn't real-time anymore. Uh, This course will really help you fine-tune that uh, to get some really good looks in uh in unreal so i'm gonna go ahead and uh and play the uh the promo here so you can check it out uh, this is rtx on with brandon clements here we go This is Brandon Clements inviting you to check out my new Unreal Engine real-time ray tracing course on MoGraph.com. We are going to dive deep into the world of real-time ray tracing. We're going to learn about blueprints, lighting, RTX optimization, sequencer, GPU light mass, and so much more. The stories that are going to be told are only going to be limited by your imagination. So go to MoGraph.com slash classes for more information, and I'll see you there. There it Ooh. is. There it Beautiful is. Beautiful stuff. Really do we have a price point on that, that yet? Just curious. Uh, we do, actually, and I'm trying to remember what it is really quick while I <laughs> pull things uh, here. I'll, I'll find it while we talk about it. Um, yes, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised at mm-hmm. the price. Uh, we've changed some of our pricing. In fact, um, we haven't changed it on Houdini or Unreal, but if you go look at uh, Caitlin's course, there has been a price mm-hmm. change on that if you want to go mm-hmm. check that out. So if you're looking to get into Procreate, um, you know, go take a look there, and I'm going to try and find this. I'm like digging like way into the the interwebs. <laughs> into the code. It's like a it's like a uh, a page that uh, we haven't put out there yet. I'm hoping that th- maybe this week or next it will be launched. Um, I'm going to load this right now. Any minute now. Any minute now. Any minute. Any minute now. Any minute. I'm gonna need a. In a minute. <laughs> Some RTX on. RTX on <laughs> to render my You know, it's funny. I was thinking about it, and it's like, oh, now we have two courses from people from Already Been Chewed. Oh, yeah. Technically, we do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 237. 237. That's the there price you go. point. 237. Yep. Yeah, turn it on with Brandon. Did you see that at the end? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> turn it on with Brandon. So um, it's, a, it's a really great course. And... Mm-hmm. Um, Everybody is is getting into Unreal right now, and you you watch TikTok and all of that kind of stuff, and and you see what people are doing with like uh, you know setting up a scene and walking through it and all of that. So, mm-hmm. um, is there class? Yeah, yep. is there class you recommend on getting up to speed in Unreal before taking RTX on? I would say uh, take uh, Windbush's Windbush course. course. Yeah, and um, that is it's a very basic from the beginning course mm-hmm. you know that's yeah. like here's how you open it here's how you do a new project you know mm-hmm. that kind of a thing here's how you import stuff from cinema 40 into right. unreal here's how you do all the different texturing and stuff like that so well yeah it is a beginner's course like it does get you up to speed on you know mm-hmm. unreal pretty uh, pretty quickly yeah 
Now, I will say that in between that course and Brandon's course, there is a lot of personal learning that mm -hmm. may need to take place. It's not going to mm -hmm. get this isn't like a part two to that course. Right. Um, it just it really depends on like how comfortable you are with jumping into ray tracing stuff. If you already know a lot mm -hmm. about ray tracing from other programs, it's going to be helpful. Um, mm -hmm. It, but you, you at least need to be familiar with Unreal. We actually were going through the beta testing on this course and, and asked some people who had no prior knowledge of Unreal yeah. to just try it and see. And mm -hmm. and they had, you know, they were able to follow along, but it was difficult. So yeah. I'm just putting that out there ahead of time. Um, if you're ready to, um, to really fine tune your ray tracing stuff, this is for you. So, um, yeah, that's it for the week wrap up stuff. Um, so, Will, we're going to talk to you now. And yeah, uh, now I'm really interested to hear more about Wild Capture because the stuff that I have seen online is yeah. cool looking. So, um, before Appreciate we that. get too far into it, though, I mean, we're we're going to talk about um, what you're doing with. I guess what would you call it? Volumetric video? Is that yeah? The that, that's the that's the the media term for it. Uh, I can explain yeah. what it is in a minute and bring everybody familiarize it uh, and explain where it's going and everything. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And and before you got into this specifically, um, you you were in motion design, right? And and all that fun stuff. And um, so so yep. give us a little idea of your background and how you got into this industry. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, I've always been good with computers, so. Uh, I've always relied on uh, programs to do a lot of the artistic tasks as much as possible. So when you were saying you start a, you hate starting a project with a box or you know the cube, whatever. I can't start a project with a cube. I need something to work with. Mm -hmm. So my whole career, I've kind of come from that standpoint of I I mash uh, models other people created. I did text effects, all that sort of stuff. So I started out. Uh, you know, doing titles and branding. Uh, uh, I get to do uh, Namco Bandai. So, uh, you know, at an E3 when they merged, we kept mm -hmm. switching Namco Bandai, Bandai Namco. Mm -hmm. You know, like, <laughs> so um, I get to go through all that. And uh, so through titles, then I get into simulations and uh, stereoscopic 3D mm -hmm. uh, with all that uh, conversion and you know, uh, stereoscopic effects. I mm -hmm. thought that was really cool because, you know, it made motion graphics literally in your face or deep in your screen. So, right. yeah. nothing, you know, what's not to love about that? And then um, I've, I've gotten into all the human capture side of things with all the depth cameras and the the suits and the OptiTrack and all that. So I got into the whole motion graphics, human performance side of things. So it kind of made sense that uh, what I'm in now, volumetric video, is it's essentially photogrammetry every frame. So it's video photogrammetry. It's, it's that simple. Um, it's data-wise, it's chaos. So a lot of the- <laughs> I can imagine. Um, it's, it's hard to work with, but there's a lot of entry points. There's, there's indie, entry, indie entry points with, uh, you can get a Kinect or one of these Azure cameras from Microsoft mm -hmm. or the mm -hmm. Intel cameras. You can do a lot of cool motion graphics with that. Uh, a lot of the stuff we do, uh, there's intrinsic camera systems. So it's a bunch of cameras calibrated. Uh, you stand in the middle. A lot, some of them are green screen stages. Some of them just rely on the depth sensing. 
but you you create a hologram of somebody and mm -hmm. uh you know it's a mesh sequence a texture sequence and so what wild capture does is we take that crazy data and we make it arc directable so um it's not photogrammetry every frame it's a unified uh, point-deformed mesh that travels over time for a collidable. Um, it's, uh, you know, giving characters so you can redress them in fashion. Uh, we create crowd kits uh, by just adding hats and glasses, changing the clothing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we when we shoot it, there's a choreography to it, so we can take different points in time to essentially create a character out of that. So... So what was cool. your background like? Did you go to school for anything like this? Or did you just kind of hop right in? Or um, I, I went to school for like IT's type of stuff, communications, mm -hmm. the IT side of communications. Um, but what it did is it taught me how to learn software quickly. So, right. okay. you know, understand how an interface works. Okay, where are my tools? Where Where's my workspace? And so... After you work with a few softwares, everything kind of seems the same. So like right. you're saying, learn Unreal. I, I strongly suggest Cinema 4D users learn Unreal because at first there's a pain point, but you'll mm -hmm. get over that pain and it's natural just like your, your 3D tasks now. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is an art to uh, being able to pick up a program. In fact, mm -hmm. Brandon Clements is one of those people that I would say is really good at that. He can pick up just about any piece of software yeah. and just... You know, whether he's in cinema, <laughs> Unreal, Blender, it doesn't matter what it is. You know, the number of times I've asked him, "Hey, have you tried this?" Oh yeah, I've dabbled in it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I imagine that that IT background too really helps when you're going to set this stuff up because I'm sure it gets complicated. Uh, even the networking for everything, probably setting setting mm -hmm. things up and and making sure everything's working and everything's fast and uh, yep. yeah, rendering for sure. Yeah. So. Oh. Yeah, so um, so tell us a little bit about how you, I guess, decided to to uh, get into this and, and yeah. start a company that specializes in this. Yeah, so so I had I had got a really lucky opportunity to join Intel. Uh, they they created this capture stage in Manhattan Beach, uh, California. Uh, it was this giant dome. And uh, they didn't really know, they, they were doing sports, so they did NFL, NBA, so I don't know if you'd see, but you'd see the player catch the ball and then it would go to a different angle and mm -hmm. kind of, so oh, yeah. it, it, this was based off of that technology, it was called uh, replay technology. Mm -hmm. They rebranded it three or four times, so I have no idea what it's called right now. <laughs> uh, maybe TrueView or something. But. Um, but uh, they had just constructed that dome and they wanted to do something creative with it. And they hired a team of us to kind of like work on the sports stuff, push that forward, but also see what we could do with this dome. And so we did this Wild, uh, Wild West piece for a CES a few years ago. And, uh, you know, the, rule, the rules from up top were there has to be horses and stunts and stuff. So we had horses running around on this crazy sand pit. Uh, a guy actually gets hit in the face with a real stick, so the stunt in the scene is a real is a real uh, a kinematic experience for mm -hmm. the guy, <laughs> and uh, and we caught it in volumetrics, so we have a matrix experience. Uh, I, I can uh, it can be found if you look up uh, Wild West CES uh, Intel Studios. I'll find it. All right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. There's a few clips. It's gonna anyway. It was pretty cool because what was really cool about that was. 
the vision was a cinematographer can design the camera move after the fact. Right. You shoot the scene spatially, so it's it's like a, a hollow experience right in front of you, and then you fly through the camera. And yeah. so that was kind of their their vision. Uh, Intel Studios debut volumetric video demo. Probably, uh, sure. I think so. Okay. <laughs> they, they they have like a pro. They have a uh, wow. marketing video too. I would just want to make sure it's not that one, but. Anyway, yeah, guy gets it um, hit in the face yeah. with a stick. Yeah, you got it. That's the one. But uh, wow, yeah. So this was really cool to create, and uh, it was a lot of lot of problems to solve wow. in three D and uh, mm-hmm. faking it, if you will. So is this is the the set here all digital? It's a mix. So it's facades. So that tree is a physical tree. That's a real horse. Those are real people, real props. The facades are real. And then a 3D team I was on, they built the uh, part of it was in Unreal for that vast uh, landscape, if you will. And then it was just Maya 3D models, pretty much, I believe. Hmm, And uh, yeah, they did did a pretty good job blending the two. How? uh, Okay, explain to me how this works. (laughs) Sure, it's right. um, it well, it's it depends on how many cameras, but but you know how you can triangulate cameras, so three D tracking, object mm-hmm. tracking, mm-hmm. all these cameras are are calibrated together, so they know where one another are in three D space, so you can essentially reconstruct things in space based off of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, in the case that we use, uh, we tend to use just RGB because. Uh, you know, my team's purists in the cinematography and visual effects sense. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of really cool stuff happening with depth sensors as well. Uh, Microsoft built one of these stages. They have their own thing called Mixed Reality. Uh, Microsoft Mixed Reality Capture System or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a there's another company called Tedavi out of Israel. Uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of uh, mid... I don't want to call them mid-grade because you can get really cool stuff out of it, but but more affordable solutions uh, using, you know, when I say more affordable, it's just the camera arrays are, you know, uh, more tangible uh, mm-hmm. systems. But basically, there's companies called Evercoast and Soar, and uh, there's even companies using uh, just your iPhone, a company called Volagram, something called mm-hmm. Volume, a lot of cool... Uh, a lot of cool like social media stuff coming out of that. So so it's kind of running running it running all over the place. But ninety percent of this is in the XR space. It's it hasn't fully trickled into production studios, and it's it's been used in films for crowds and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And you know we've we've it's mostly just filling people in, especially during mm-hmm. you know, the pandemic and everything. Yeah, sure. But uh, but we're taking it to do fashion as well because we have these uniform solves. So we'll shoot a model doing, you know, poses and whatnot, and you can put a whole catalog on him or her. Mm-hmm. How does so, that work? Do they wear just like something super basic, like spandex or something? Yeah, pretty much yoga yoga clothes or or underwear. Pretty much, yeah. uh, models don't seem to care that much, uh, and obviously we're here to sell the clothes, so mm-hmm. it's one of those, you know professional courtesy kind of things but um, but yeah the goal the goal is you want as skin tight as possible because even a t-shirt the the baggage under under an arm yeah. isn't a true simulation so 
Um, but we've we've shot with like yoga clothes a lot, and that seems to work as well. Um, so, are all these cameras using depth sensors in order to you know? Kind of like so you yeah so basically you've got a whole bunch of cameras and are they all just taking just images or are they actually taking depth information as well? So it depends on the manufacturer. So there's manufacturers who build these stages. We mm -hmm. we shot this this particular talent on a stage. Uh, the brand is known as Forty Views out of France. They're just mm -hmm. RGB. They they have they've got advanced uh, machine learning learning algorithms. So. Um, they're able just to process the RGB and that segments the character and whatnot. And the results are really good. Yeah. Um, but some of the other stages, like Microsoft does use depth cameras. Mm -hmm. uh, there's another company, Mantis Vision, that's like very heavy on the on the depth sensors. The um, the video I'm seeing here, the topology is really clean. Yeah. Um, so is something processing this? Um, yeah. So, so we're using... Um, we have our own algorithms. Uh, in fact, there's a few patents pending and whatnot, but um, but a lot of it's scripted through Python, and we you know we do a lot of our work with Houdini because you can uh, non-destructively manage the workflow, mm -hmm. and it's easy to automate a sequence of of uh, frames. Right. So. Um, I'm assuming this isn't real time as well, right? This is oh, like... it, it can be. You have to optimize it like crazy. Those those mm -hmm. particular characters are right on the borderline of real time, so mm -hmm. they would work in an Unreal experience for probably a desktop, but it wouldn't work on a VR headset or a mobile. Wow! Uh, but we do have uh, we have a technology. We worked with a group called um, XR Foundation, specifically a group called Hyperconstruct. And we built something called uh, Universal Volumetric, which is, uh, we're kind of loosely, you know, it's it's totally unofficial, but we're treating it like a web alembic. So oh, okay. you can pack okay. a bunch of, you know, with all this WebXR, uh, that's another thing we can we can talk about as, as we go, but uh, we're heavy about the WebXR. So mm -hmm. rather than needing installs and whatnot, our philosophy is one click and you can experience this content. Mm -hmm. um, and it does work on mobile phones and whatnot. So um, we're we're slow releasing something called WildCapture.live, which is mm -hmm. a social uh, virtual world system, and uh, we can run these performances into it. You could host a concert, you know, a right. full full length concert. If you know managing that content, uh, managing two hours of this content is terabytes of data raw. Yeah. So, for yeah. sure. So you can you can crunch it down literally uh, within gigabytes, like heavy, you know, let, let's say uh, 200 megabytes a minute ish mm -hmm. uh, for for one, one of our high detailed characters. That's not so, too bad. Uh, 200 megabytes a minute. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's pretty good. And so, yeah, uh, that's, that's that's better than ProRes, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, we're, we're we're talking we're talking low poly though, like right. yeah. These 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 models don't hold up in VR or anything that in the, okay. at that particular quality. Now on a stage in a social mixed reality experience, it'll it'll sell the idea today in 2022. You know. Mm -hmm. 
Hey, this is Dave. I just wanted to stop for a moment and thank our sponsor, Otoy, the creators of Render Network and, of course, Octane. But I don't have to tell you that. You know who they are. You see the results of their render engine all over the interwebs. And we're very grateful that they're supporting what we're doing at MoGraph.com, from this podcast to MoGraph TV to events like local meetups and Camp MoGraph and all our community-building efforts. We can't wait to show you what's in store, all thanks to their support. Go check them out at Otoy.com. Now back to the madness. Yeah, so this is this is Lado. She's out of Atlanta. Um, we did this with a group called You Are Here for Spray, mm-hmm. and uh, we shot it at um, Georgia State University Creative Media In- Industries Institute. Okay. And uh, yeah, that's a CMII, but okay. it's it's a brilliant uh, it's a brilliant facility in the heart of Atlanta mm-hmm. where. Uh, University students are learning all these high-end crafts. Like this stage exists at the school; they can go shoot their own projects and everything. Hmm. Man, so it's pretty, and it's like these, the these wrinkles on the clothes. And it, oh, yep. I didn't like, realize I'm you rotating around. around this character. Yeah, wow. Yep. So this is all streaming from from the web right now. Um, and so yeah, so we shot a bunch of performances. So this can go into uh, a virtual world experience. That's wow. so cool. You notice I don't say the M buzzword. I, I try to... Oh, the, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, no, no hate on it. It's just I think I can only say it so many times while I'm alive. <laughs> That's funny. Ooh-wee. Texas allergies. Um, So, uh, I got a whole bunch of questions. Let me uh, let yep. me go back to the topology real quick. Because sure. the mm-hmm. topology was really clean. Mm-hmm. I noticed it wasn't too heavy, right? And... Um, so how many frames a second are you capturing when you do this? Um, a lot of stages do 30, some do 60. We shoot at 60, uh, to eliminate as much motion blur as possible. Mm. Um, because the, the hands are usually a problem in a lot of situations. So shooting at a higher frame rate, you get a little more detail in the, the nuances. And Do, do you have to worry about things like shutter speed or ISO or something like that? It's, it's all machine cameras, so the system kind of has calibrated that for you. So okay. a, as a uh, as a system user, if you will, you don't need to worry about that. Okay. As a, as right. a tech, you do. There's the light speed has to match the, the shutter speed, everything. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of intricacies to it because it's, it's a very uh, sensitive system. Um, gotcha. You know, if, if you're on set and you bump into one of these cameras, you have to stop everything and fix that camera. It's oh, like yeah. that's how that's how uh, sensitive these things can be. So it's it's kind of been a, it started in like a scientific sort of world at, indis, uh, at uh, universities and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's now this technology is now production ready. There's about uh, I think sixty professional stages worldwide. At least thirty wow. of them are are like doing pretty well. So um, it, it, let's say that you're going frame by frame through the mesh when it's done like yep. does does the mesh match frame to frame you know like so some uh, out of oh, that's out of an the interesting question yeah out of the systems uh the actual vendor systems there's some called temporal coherence mm-hmm. which for a group of frames you'll have the same uvs and the same topology okay. but the the frame that it breaks that, if you will. One of the some of the faces get corrupted, or I'm not sure the algorithms specifically they would be using. But 
something decides, hey, we're going to switch to a new frame set. And so mm-hmm. what we're doing is we're unifying the whole performance. Uh, obviously, I can't get too deep into the, the science of it yet. Sure. It's something we'll, we can discuss over time, but we're using volumes. Uh, a lot of this data it exists out of the systems in uh, meshes, in some cases, points. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're taking it to voxels because uh, our team's been using all that uh, open VDB technology for about a decade. So sure. there's a lot you can do with that. Uh, so we're essentially rigging characters with volumes is, is, is as simple as I can put it. Um, and it's, it's a nightmare to figure out. It took me almost four years to get the the workflow down correct, but um, the whole time this has been my vision. The first time I saw this this uh, media, I was just like, "This data set, nobody would adopt this data set. It's too it's photogrammetry every frame." Yeah, right. And and you you use it for realism, so you want to crank the textures to at least four K. So right. And and that's about where the ceiling is right now of quality is about two point five to four K. For, for the texture quality of these characters. Mm-hmm. And it's it's almost entirely Albedo data, uh, base mm-hmm. color. Mm-hmm. There's no, yeah. um, there's a few companies working on uh, creating the roughness and, and specularity maps, et cetera. Uh, I can't wait till you could do subsurface. Uh, yeah. Because then, then this this will really take off. But um, we're going in a direction of uh, face tracking, eye tracking, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so our, our key product right now is known as Cohort. It's it's kind of a service model right now where companies hire us uh, to produce crowds or fashion uh, mm-hmm. fashion lineups. But the, the beautiful thing is the end result is a universal asset. So this character can go into anything like a, like a traditional character would. Mm-hmm. You just don't have to have that huge hierarchy of everything going on, but you can right. you can reanimate these characters to an extent. Yeah. Do they do they come in? Do they come out rigged as well? Yeah. Um, uh, that's something. That's a service we provide. It's at the end of this, the uniformity in some cases, it's it's required. Hey, we want to do look at or mm-hmm. you know, you could use this for stunts, ragdoll, ragdoll yeah. stunts, all that sort of stuff. So. Um, I can't wait till somebody asks us to do a medieval or a sci-fi movie with these things mm-hmm. and just say, shoot somebody out into space or have them fall off a horse or something because yeah. that'll be fun. Um, my dream in this space is to shoot somebody out of a cannon. <laughs> <laughs> so there's See, like... this, is, this is the first thing that I saw and I was like, okay, this makes sense now with the volumetric yep. stuff yeah, because exactly. now you can like interact, interact exactly with like particles yeah. and stuff like that, you know, yeah. like that's a really great use case for it. Even if you're, um, even if you're going back and replacing with a different model or person or something, you've got that simulation already made, you know, but like, yeah. so how how difficult would it be to like change the texture maps and like say I wanted to add my own bump maps or my own normal maps or create something in substance? How difficult would that be? Well, with our so with our uniform solves, uh, we also include smart UVs. So we use mm. so we solve markerless motion capture. We get a full skeleton with finger detail and everything. Um, it's about B, a B plus quality. To be totally honest with you, it's. Mm-hmm. 
uh, markerless motion capture has a little ways to go before it's totally locked on. But mm-hmm. man, it's made some great strides in the last few years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the solution we're using is, is pretty tough, you know, some of the most innovative stuff I've seen. Um, excuse me for a sec. I get a buzzing sound. Sorry. Sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm looking through these and, um, Te- technology. Yeah. So I'm looking through these, I, I guess, would you, would you describe it? It's almost like you said, like it changes every certain amount of frames. It almost seems like the way compression works. You know, where all of a sudden you have like another keyframe or something. Yeah. Um, so, um, so how do you go? How do you go about getting uh, like the skeleton data? You know, the um, mm-hmm. the rigging data and and everything. Is is it something that's kind of built into your software? Do you go another? Or do you bring it into another piece of software? Is it is it Houdini? Um, a lot of it we did with Houdini, like I said, with the OpenVDB. So, um, trying to think of how I can answer this without my partners cringing. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, th- think of it as as you've got a fixed volume somebody's traveled through, mm-hmm. and you have that information. They're they're realistic. They're to scale as humans, so you could start to use real world physics. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in some cases, uh, you know, you have to reuse. You have to reuse the. Um, what am I trying to say? You have to re- reuse cameras in the sense of roughly where they'd be positioned in relation to the original solve. But okay. there's a certain freedom to that as well, and gotcha. that's about again. Uh, I think that's. A, I have. To, I think I have to stop there as far <laughs> as the explanation, but. The, the beauty is that we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be releasing some of these characters for free uh, to play oh, with cool. into the community. Cool. So that's something like probably over the summer we'll do it, and um, you know, along with tutorials of how to use this content. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, my hope is is that it brings it brings the motion graphics and the Marvel's designer type people together more. Yeah, uh, right. Because. There's a lot of cool digital fashion happening, but there's not a lot of simulations on the actual fabric. And I'd love to yeah. see more of that. And so that's what I'm on the lookout for. And those are the kinds of artists we're looking to have take our technology for a spin is people who want to like play with simulations. Kind of like you saw that flip sim uh, I was showing. Um, and um, I was going to say. Yeah, but like- the beauty... Yeah, the, the 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 fabric stuff, the clothing, and everything. So, is that all marvelous? Is that is when you're when you're doing it? Are you using marvelous to put the different uh, the different clothes on them? So well, we or? we uh, a little bit. We ingest the the clothes three D uh, formats and the DXF. Uh, I think it's DXF. Yeah, um, those are like the traditional. Uh, I think the three D printer version of textile forgive me if i'm off on that but uh <laughs> but long story short that format gives all the stitch information so you can pack right. all the all the like this piece connects to this piece this is the front face this is the back face and mm-hmm. so houdini it's and i'm not here to sell houdini too hard because i know you're your primary i know you have <laughs> Houdini users but it's oh, also it accessible yeah. to yeah. to the whole uh 
Cinema 4D world. But right. generally in our in our personal pipeline, we do do a lot of, uh, we keep it in Houdini because we can troubleshoot the problems in Houdini. You know, yeah. we have all this extra data right. from our solves that can be used to clean up things. And as we move forward, we're gonna figure out how to translate that data to artist data. So, you know, we're, we're probably gonna be in the middleware space of plugins. So in Cinema 4D, you'll use our plugin to bring in your character. Uh, it'll have the attributes you need. You can define, hey, do I wanna redeform this character? Am I just gonna use it as is? Cause it's gonna need, there's a few different levels of engine, but think of it from a stance of, there's the building the character and then there's the playback of the character, the, you know, the, the use of the character. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, and when I said the use of the character, we're going, we're going in the USD direction for variants and all that stuff mm -hmm. and trying to make it as universal as possible so that, um, you know, like we were saying uh, earlier with Redshift, open shader language, translating it to everything, uh, Material X for Clarice, that sort of stuff. When you're when you're capturing, um, uh, because I know these are retopoed, and then you you do like I guess a different level of polys based on you know whatever you're using it for. Like how how fine are these original captures as far as mesh data, are, and, and are they triangles? Are they quads? Mm -hmm. Like yeah, it's mostly trying. So so the raw data, or I don't want to call it raw because the raw raw data is. Enormous. Yeah. The Ones exported, yeah, the <laughs> exported uh, source data. Let's call it that. From the system uh, can range from 60,000, 50, 60,000 polys on average to about two hundred thousand polys a frame. Um, but most of the details in the texture. So you can right. You can optimize the mesh and maintain those texture islands. You can give right. uh, preference to heads and. If there's branding on a shirt or something, you know, so you can kind of there's there's a little bit of uh, leeway within some of the systems to program that. Um, so much like when you're doing like regular uh, photogrammetry, like say you're doing a building or something, yeah. you know, or, or building anything. I mean, Matt, you have that that uh, tutorial where you retopo something, you know, yeah. you can still use uh, the same textures after you retopo and it kind of gives it. It looks more realistic than it is if you were to just look at the raw polys because you've got all mm -hmm. that uh, photographic information on top of it. It's going to be mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting to see where that goes because the resolution, I'm sure, over time is going to get even better, and then mm -hmm. the ability for something like an iPhone or something to display even denser meshes over time over the next say ten years is going to go up as well. So um, that's that's going to get better and better um when you're uh so when you're capturing that data and and you're uh taking all that info in like what is the what does the workflow look like how do you how do you manage to uh just manage all of that data yeah sure um so a lot of times you'll you know you'll do your shoot um you can capture i you know it's between 15 and 30 minutes a day i'd say of content at uh, thir you know between thirty or sixty frames a second, it's just there's there's a whole process of starting it, stopping it, you know, managing all that data. So then a lot of the raw data you can usually store in a RAID. You know, a sixty mm -hmm. terabyte RAID can hold you for a little while there. 
uh, yeah, it's heavy, heavy. It's not not yeah. cheap. <laughs> yeah, and and think about it. So you got sequences. So on the other side of the raid, uh, an SSD raid would be more ideal for for when you're dealing with the individual frames. So mm -hmm. so you almost need two separate types of raids to if you were to do this uh, for a major production, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. You kind of need those two sources. Um, but the long and short of it is. Uh, you can do an editorial process, and that's something that we help with some of the stages we work with. Uh, we streamline the dailies process so that um, clients don't need to deal with all this, everything they shot. They can find the hero take, safety take, cut it to, and in this space, you don't need handles too much because uh, a lot of it's either interactive or, you know, going straight to a VFX use. So, uh, if you are doing handles, doing T poses and A poses is a good way to future proof your data. Because mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. um, our machine learning doesn't require that, but it sure helps with, with like aligning where's the wrist joint, where's the sure. ankle joint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know, then they do a lot of movement sometimes if it's on the edge. It's, you know, it's not a, it's, it's not the end of the world to clean that data up, but mm -hmm. you know, it's, we, we try to calibrate well on the front end. But um, so so you end up, so I'd say each clip of about a minute you're dealing with on the high end, maybe uh, four to seven gigabytes of data for a minute of content uh, mm -hmm. in its higher res form. That, that could vary depending on complexity. Um, a lot of times you just shoot individual people, but in some cases you could shoot up to four or five people Wow. But they're they're sharing the same uh, UV real estate, so right. there's, no, there's no U dimming going on. So oh, okay. interesting. So unfortunately, that's the downside. So when we shoot crowds, we prefer to shoot individuals or two mm -hmm. people at a time. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, even for people in the background, just for clarity. Um, yeah. So so how do you manage that data after you're done with it, right? So you use a RAID or whatever, but I'm imagining you're dumping that to some sort of archive. Are you putting that online, or are you just having to buy just, like, massive amounts of drives? <laughs> um, we, we do a little bit of RAID. We do cloud storage as well. Uh, we do a ton of AWS just across the board with all the stuff we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, like, don't get me started with all the different things. You, you need to have a PhD in AWS just to, like, hang with yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's not that's my that is my kryptonite apparently like anyway yeah, um, people are like I, oh we'll just spin up a server it's like right will we will we it's, it's, just, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. very there's so much to it this it's very intricate uh, a lot of settings a lot of settings that don't make sense to yeah. to layman yeah. um but but um but yeah, so so our workflows we optimize the content because by uniforming the data, we're able to compress a lot of the data down because it's it's now just point deformed information, numerical data, as mm -hmm. opposed to you know all you know rent just having UV sets changing all the time is very complicated, especially for streaming this to the web, mm -hmm. uh, you know, with an MP4 stream because it. The, the video stream textures to web for this is all just traditional MP4. Mm -hmm. and do you think so, that uh, AI will maybe eventually 
play a part in in helping to get those numbers down? Oh yeah, it, it, it already is. Um, there, there's a like I can't remember the example I saw, but there's some incredible examples of upresing quality, you know. Mm-hmm. And then there's that Topaz company that's built a few yeah, products right. that you can just if you don't want to have to command line and learn learn any crazy mm-hmm. stuff you. Grab Topaz. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. uh, we've done a little bit of both, and uh, that's certainly the easier way to get into this uh, if you're trying to upraise your content. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, like um, sometimes we want extra facial detail when we give preference to the faces. Right. You still, so, some of the stages are still 8 bits. So you're still getting that, like, I'll call it JPEG noise, if you will. Right. You know, the blurry sure. yeah. within the pixels. So. Anytime we can get rid of that uh, to up-res, it's, uh, it certainly is a noticeable improvement. And there's a lot of people doing stuff with uh, up-resing just faces, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. Ramini uh, that we use actually for a lot of our stuff. You know, if we're upscaling a, a little thumbnail or something from one of our shows or something, you run it through there. And it's not a traditional upscaler. It's like a face upscaler. It adds facial detail. Mm-hmm. Um, what what software is this? I'm, I'm curious. It's called Ramini, and and mm-hmm. uh, if yeah. you look at like, you know, especially if you go to like the episodes of um, the Drop with Matt, mm-hmm. you know, Matt will be doing some pose or something. I'll take and I'll run that through and have like a high res uh, photo of Matt mm-hmm. doing a pose or something from the show. And all I did was clip it from the MP4, you know, the yeah. little itty bitty MP4. But once I run it through Ramini, uh, it it adds this like fake facial detail. Um, yeah, it's really great when you do it on like old photos, uh, uh, you know, like old family photos. Yeah. you know, things like that. If you've got if you've got a lot of detail or a fair amount of detail, like it'll clean it up really well. Yeah. If you're if it's like a super compressed JPEG, it's really funny. I've seen a bunch of TikToks where people will take like super low res pixelated jpegs of like the cast of friends or something and do a before and after <laughs> and show how terrible they what look it like yeah it's really funny yeah but yeah yeah i could imagine that would work that would really yeah. help in some of that stuff with the faces you know um i don't know how it does frame to frame but yeah yeah, yeah. the yeah, uh the crowd toolkit i'm looking at that and it's it's cool. Like I like I like the idea of what you guys are doing with all these crowds. It's like you'll have actual 3D data. You'll have them in different outfits or be able to change the outfits per person, so you can get it to look different every single time. Yep. What's uh? What are you? You said you're planning on putting some samples out there this summer. Um, mm-hmm. What would that yep. entail? Like, what would the format be if you were to release something like that? I mean, it'll probably. Without uh, without being definitive about it, check with the lawyers FBX real quick. Or, yeah. or uh, we might do an FBX. We might be doing a Lembic. Um, sure, you know, but for, some sort of model for someone to try and use, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, our goal. You know, how we'll do it is it'll, it'll probably be sixty frames a second, maybe twenty, thirty second piece. So you can mm-hmm. do a lot with it, and. Uh, you know, we hired real, we hired professional models, uh, mm-hmm. so they they did a pretty good job with catwalk and whatnot. Cool. Uh, but one of the, one of the coolest things, the door that that opens, uh, the fashion side of it is the different body types allow uh, sci- as scientific data 
to help real world fabrication. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're helping a company called Savitude uh, that does this thing called inclusive fashion. So they identify um, if, if a piece of clothing were to be stitched slightly differently, how many new body types can wear that piece of clothing? Right, right. that's and cool. The goal, the goal is, you know, like there's there's nine nine stere- you know, typical forms, shapes that you design in, but there's mm-hmm. hundreds of different body types. So, so instead of just being like, oh, I wear a large, it's right. oh, I'm a small up top, but a large down below. <laughs> I got the big beer belly, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, can, you can cater it, and so the, yeah, the whole goal is you know user confidence. You find a model that that embodies your body type and gives you the confidence because they're you know they're models. Yeah, as opposed yeah, yeah. as opposed to, and, and I say that because you've probably seen a lot of the AR apps where you can stand in the mirror and put a suit on you or a right. sneaker or something, glasses, and it's you know, it wobbles around a little bit when you turn your head. So what right. we're trying to do is show you, if you were to buy this piece of clothing, if we were to photograph this this CG piece of clothing in 2D, it would match, it, the flow would be exactly the same because we're yeah. trying, we're trying the, the clothing artists we're working with, their goal is for the realistic fabric. See, and, and representation of the actual like active wear or mm-hmm. you know formal wear you know these are the types of actions people would do in those clothing mm-hmm. if somebody could if somebody could come up with uh, better uh, clothing options than small medium large XL based yeah. on that that would be really nice you know yeah yep. they have like a number that represents your body type you know yeah because it's like okay well this is a medium but it's really big or this is a medium but it yeah. it feels like a small or you know or i have broad shoulders or i have man boobs you know i mean like you need <laughs> yeah. like, to, to be able to say you because you know you get that one shirt and it really fits like it's yeah. on point and you're like I yeah. Wish yeah. all larges were like this yeah and you, keep, you buy another large there's no yeah it's not the same it that would be that would be nice probably varies from country to country too wherever it's yeah. made and right that all too. kinds of things yeah 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 well that's why you know we, i guess you could stick to the the suit measuring stuff you know with the yeah, yeah there the, flat, and, the flappy uh, ruler <laughs> yeah there was one time i got a an xl i ordered an xl to wear for a uh a 5k and mm-hmm. it literally was the size of a small I'm like, yeah. I'm like s- small, small. I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> yeah, if I could say uh, I'm a large, you know, four X two five point three B, and that's that actually what I wear, and that's my size, and it, co- you know, that would be great. That'd be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, we got to be near near measuring yourself with your phone. If you can measure a room today, right? next year mm-hmm. you're gonna be able to. You're just gonna hold it to your neck, and it'll show you your neck and then you'll do yeah. show, put your arms out it'll do it yeah light are my man boobs so i can get a fitting shirt <laughs> then uh yep. <laughs> then one of the tech greats knows everything about your physique <laughs> right yeah. yeah and then your <laughs> then your insurance your goes at up. risk yeah, yeah. <laughs> dang it and they, there's always a gotcha um what about okay so you've got these stages right and you got green screen you got lights all around and everything right but what about like IRL? What if you wanted to try and like take a setup to 
on location somewhere to, yeah, to capture something. Is, are there limitations to that right now? Is it very reliant on light? It's there, there's a lot of limitations. It, it relies on camera calibration. So there's these guys out of Germany. Uh, I think they're value cap. They, they did stuff on the matrix movie with some camera arrays underwater and did some cool stuff. Um, and then there's a truck, Mark Roberts motion control that has like a 18 wheeler in the UK. They just bring around, but um, you know, we've we've certainly explored the idea of uh, this stage needs to be a piece of equipment, not a facility. And right. in a lot of cases, in fact, in almost all the cases, the facility cost is the price gotcha. It's not the. Yeah. It's it's the rental the day rental of the studio itself is is an inhibitor in a lot of ways. Right now, a lot of the stages have programs for creators. Hey, well, during these days, there's discounts or students or whatever have you. So it's not about you know on an indie level, it's actually probably more accessible than on a boutique studio level. If that makes mm -hmm. any sense, mm -hmm. you know, just because you'll, and but. Um, but these stages are, you know, the the stages I was calling mid-grade stages, they're improving to become more, you know, their quality gets exponentially better as the years go. And this, this technology has been around, I'd say, professionally about five years. Okay. Before then, it, you know, it was around, but it wasn't, like, commercially viable. Mm -hmm. Some people might argue with that, but... <laughs> well, I can just even see today, Even today, it's hard, yeah. I, I can see where it's going in the future, though. That That's mm -hmm. the thing. You know, you take this technology, you evolve it 20 years, and we're all, you know, assuming we don't all kill ourselves, we're, we'll right. we'll have AR glasses and everything in, in the next 20 years that are just normal every day. And I'm a big mm -hmm. fan. Like, I'm a big fan of this. Like, I, this is AR stuff is, is really where I feel like mm -hmm. there's a lot of interesting things that are going to happen. And I can imagine 10, 20 years from now, um, maybe you can't make it out to a concert or a concert's too far away to go to or something. And you're like, oh, well, we're just going to have some people hang out at our place. We're just going to put the stage in the backyard, yeah. you know, and then yep. like it's just inputting stuff from a live capture system that you've built. And mm -hmm. or, or, you know, we don't have a place. I'm just going to watch the concert on my desktop. Really tiny people right. like, you know, um, are, are you are you working toward going that route i mean i know that's way off oh yeah absolutely but... it's it's look at it as though um you know our focus is the digital humans and activating them for all these use cases so we've got partners who take it to that next level so we we had the uh hyper construct partners who they basically built their own social game engine and and it, you can white label it and everything it's it's hard it's hard to get through the basics of you know installing everything the right way and mm -hmm. loading it to your web page. But in theory, uh, you can take the power right out of the hands of Meta and these companies because it does everything those the big VR chat uh, worlds do. You know that mm -hmm. Decentraland, all that stuff. It does all that without needing to install anything. Mm -hmm. So um, that's kind of what I think is the future: is just one click, you're into these things. Uh, with your friends or whatever. So it's got the social media element of it, but it also has the uh, interactive element. And and the cool thing for artists, I think, is there's there's all this opportunity in the XR space 
with all this great tech, but it's like uh, the hood is ex- the under the hood is exposed right now. The there's no beautiful shell over this technology uh, in a lot of cases. So like when you see these virtual worlds, it all looks like my, my joke is they all look like heaven and ancient Greece met in the middle. You know, like it's, mm-hmm. it's this beautiful cloudy. Uh, world structure of some kind and, and I'm guilty of of making some of those visuals myself so <laughs> but uh, but there's there's what I'm trying to really get at is there's there's a ton of demand for quality creative vision in this space with people who know 3d and it's it's kind of like the early video game days of uh, one map of everything's atlas on one UV page right. you know like it's, you're almost back to that level of uh, simplicity, but in one click and you're in. So you can't really yeah. beat that. No installs, nothing. You can, yeah. You can, you can, you could set it up with like an Eventbrite thing and and launch events and everything. You know, mm-hmm. you could do all this NFT stuff. Dare I even talk about that? <laughs> but uh, you, you know, you you it, it works with all that. It's kind of in the middle of that. Uh, we we haven't adopted that technology too much because. I want to get into NFT when you when you can actually interact with them, and um, you know I've been thinking that it'd be great to have games puzzles you have to unlock, you know with mm-hmm. anyway you know yeah 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 it so, so that's the direction I want to see it go. It reminds me of um, something that was it was ahead of its time at the time, but. It was, uh, I worked on a set for it during South by Southwest for like a day. And I can't remember now, it was either somebody from the Monkees or somebody from the Beach Boys who invested in this <laughs> thing. And it was it was doing that kind of live concert thing. Now, this is before, you know, you could do this with 3D or something. But they were right. they were like capturing on a green screen. We were actually like capturing people doing performances live and then like putting it back into uh, composites in real time and doing like virtual concert stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was That's just, cool. it was too yeah. early, you know, like people yeah, just yeah. weren't ready for it yet, you know, back then for, for that kind of thing. Cause the internet was so new and so slow and, and, and all of that. And I feel like this is really the way it's, it's, it's going to happen is doing like this 3d. And when, once it becomes more and more real time, it's, it's mm-hmm. going to be a great thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, when you can pick up your iPhone and do it, you know. And uh, everyone can have a Tupac hologram, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, my name is Sashia Dumont. I'm a writer, actor, and filmmaker. Hi, my name is Paul Robinson. I'm a director, DP, and filmmaker. We are the creators and hosts of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, an online source for all things indie film. We are a husband and wife film team and co-owners of Send3 Productions, and we started this podcast for filmmakers like ourselves who were producing on micro-budgets with Skeleton Crews. Go Gorilla is a weekly podcast that features various talents in TV, film, and web series productions. We've interviewed filmmaker powerhouses like Kestrin Pantera, Richard Raymond, Alex Ferrari, Cassandra Ebner, and Ryan Connolly. Amazing actors like Hannah Ward, Lou Taylor Pucci, Chris Wataski, and Eileen Gruba. Groundbreaking cinematographers like Jody Lee Lipes, and Jessica Lee Gagne, and many more. We also offer weekly reviews of our favorite films and shows, which vary from low-budget first-time filmmakers to A-listers and everyone in between. Go Gorilla is proud to announce that we have officially joined the MoGraph Podcast Network. So if you love filmmaking as much as we do, 
Tune in every Sunday for a new episode of the Go Gorilla Filmcast. Your Your source source for all things indie film. Now available on the MoGraph Podcast Network. Well, that's the thing, too. You know, if you get to a a point where, you know, you have some sort of um, office or performance center, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, you know, where you could use this technology in your own room and just hook it up and say, here we go. Now we can all virtually collaborate. You know, that's going to be amazing. But, Mm -hmm. you know, right now, what would you say, like, the biggest... The hurdle. biggest hurdle is like, is it data? Is it uh, is it just resolution technology uh, roadblocks or? It's there's there's a few roadblocks to be honest, um, and there it involves which one is the bigger of the roadblocks. Mm-hmm. What one is uh, tech companies with a ton of money are just diving into this space. Uh, and trying to stamp their vision without having paid their dues in the space, if you will, understanding what it, like what is the consumer actually want, you know? And so there's an element of that, but there's also the creating the smart customer for this in a couple of ways. It's, um, you know, I like to think people are smart enough that they're ready to ingest holograms all around them, you know, like, but but uh, think of all the standards and stuff that it has to be a certain way. It can't just like even just public uh, installations have to follow a lot of code. The headsets have to follow a lot of codes. Mm-hmm. So you get caught up in uh, sta- standards. Everybody's got their own proprietary formats. Mm-hmm. But there there is standardization in the space that's starting to work itself out. There's a group specifically in this space that's come together, and and we're we dabble in it. We started in it, but since we're we're still getting up and going, we didn't have the time to participate as directly. Uh, but um, you know, moving forward with standards, uh, more interaction and evangelism from the actual devices to get people to be like, "Hey, you could do this." And and frankly, a lot of these marketing budgets these companies have, they should create more programs for the indie artists, the tinkerer groups that. You know, um, I think that's what that Magic Leap company kind of failed at was mm-hmm. there, there was a group of people who like they allowed into this exclusive program to, to create things. And there's some really cool things done, but it was done in a weird. There's just something weird about it. I, I can't mm-hmm. you know, I can't put my finger on it, but it, it, it was the right energy that it wasn't. And so I think if there's more means to get this content out there, so. Um, I'm hoping these stages have more programs for indie artists to come in. I hope that the manufacturers of the the more affordable stages are able to open in more cities so people can, you know, flock to the near production company. They host an event. Hey, we're covering this. Come shoot with us. You know, that kind of stuff. Sorry for the rambled. No, that's fine. No, you're fine. <laughs> I don't know if you want to talk cost or anything, uh, but... And, and if not, I guess people can can talk, can contact you. But uh, you know, mm-hmm. some of it is the the stage itself. I know. And and uh, are you setting this up in a particular stage every time, or do you have a stage? Um, um, we're we're at stage agnostic. So there's a bunch of stages around. Most of them are in the United States that we work with. Mm-hmm. Um, we currently don't have our own stage. We've explored what a stage would look like. Uh, 
honestly, it would probably be a lot of R and D related stuff, but we'd make it available uh, for creators. So, um, but you know, like like I said earlier, um, the facilities themselves, the facility cost is kind of the big the big cost. Yeah, right. A lot of the companies will they'll be flexible on the data side of it because they obviously want to win the client and, and get the job. And, uh, and frankly, this content needs to be more prevalent because then the demand will grow because everybody sees this is blown away. Like mm-hmm. I rarely meet somebody who sees it for the first time. That's just like, man. So, mm-hmm. you know, like I think yeah. that, so, so that's what we're trying to do is evangelism in education of it. Like we're, we're, we've got a very open door of, uh, anybody that wants to dabble in this, our tools are kind of Frankenstein right now, so we're not ready to we're not ready to release licensed software. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we're certainly in a position to collaborate, and we're picking up uh, white glove service jobs, if you will. Mm-hmm. We're, we're but our goal there is to understand what our clients' pain points are to craft the software for the facility, because we're we're still trying to figure out. Is it the major city? Is it the major facilities that want huge crowd pipelines to replace something like Massive, or is it people like Cinema? Cinema bleh, can't talk. Cinema 4D users who um, can can you know they're really scrappy with what they can do, and and uh, you know the, the digital art community grows when there's new cool visuals and whatnot. So I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure yet what's going to be the adoption point, but we're doing everything we can to make this accessible to people. Well, we always talk about having stuff in your back pocket. Like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I don't know everything about Unreal, but I've dabbled in it to know whether or not if a client comes and needs something done. Okay, I know we can go this direction. I might have to hire Mm -hmm. some people smarter than me. (laughs) Right. But, uh, you know, I know we can go this direction. And it's, it's nice to learn about these types of technologies because if it comes up and somebody comes to me and they need something like that of course you're going to be the first person i think of you know um and and i think that anyone who has a serious client coming to them with something like this is going to have a but hopefully is going to have a budget for something mm-hmm. like this you know so you yeah build definitely cost you know um but it's, it's something yeah, good it's- yeah Sorry, it's not extremely. I don't want to give the wrong impression that it's not extremely expensive. I'm just saying, I don't know if you guys have ever had to rent a green screen stage, but you're yeah. you're like, how yeah. does this cost that much? Is kind of my yeah. attitude, right. and you have to paint it yourself usually too. So yeah. right. <laughs> so think yeah. of it in that vein. Of a lot of times, you have to. It's not as simple as hey, I'm going to rent an Alexa or a Red camera or something, you know, and that's. Mm-hmm. That's what we'd love to see this become is, hey, I'm going to rent the capture stage to do this project. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, you know, it is yeah. what it is. But, but those people are doing the, like, you know, they got to pay for the electricity and the personnel and the paint. Certainly. and the Yeah. Yeah. It's it's spendy. And it takes yeah. it, it takes like a minimum of two to three people to run one of these stages, like mm-hmm. a crew. Like, and that's bare bones usually, you know. Right. Yeah. You know, just for your people. stuff or, or are you saying the stage in general? Just one of these stages in general. You oh, get yeah. somebody operating it to start, stop, record. You get somebody, usually mm-hmm. a runner, somebody on set uh, who can also operate as a assistant director or sort. Mm-hmm. How, um, do you, um, how do you – 
are you able to like play back on set? I don't know if you addressed that or not. Are you able to play back and make sure oh, it, that you've got shot? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so a lot of times you run, uh, you know, spy cameras or whatever just feeds to the feeds to the um, stage itself. Mm-hmm. So you have to run that as an auxiliary shoot during the actual capture. Mm-hmm. But in um, some of the stages can play back an instant point cloud video of the performance. Some of them can uh, process a few frames in a few minutes. So you can see a fully constructed frame to make sure, hey, you know, some of the talent we shot have really long fingernails. We need to make sure we weren't losing it or mm-hmm. there's hairstyles. You want to make sure it's not yeah. like yeah. projected onto the head or anything. Yeah, I was going to ask you about hair. Like, how how hard is that to deal with? Yeah, um, it's it's pretty difficult. Uh, Curly hair is a nightmare. Beards are kind of tough. You know, I don't know. I don't know how soon that's going to be fixable, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, From our from our stance, throw some CG hair on the character. You know, right? right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's some pretty cap. good groom. There's some pretty good groom tools out there that it might be easier to do that than to fix right pol- polygonal, you know, my weird curl things in my hair. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. <laughs> so you just kind of go with a what? What do you do? Do you put on a bald cap? A bald cap? No, like no. If you so want somebody to re- like a uh, you know like a model. We're, we're going to do like four different hairstyles. How do you? How do you do? Honestly, that? ponytails and hairspray is is your friend and then dulling spray for shiny specular things. Uh, oh yeah. Depend- so some of the stages can handle the high specular. Uh, mm-hmm. they usually do it with the depth sensing. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not pretty dealing with, especially dealing with, uh, translucent things. Just forget about all that. I see. Yeah. So, so you're saying that like these stages actually have the gear as well. So, so you're, you're handling it after the gear. Yeah, sorry, sorry if I was confusing. So, the system is usually a series of calibrated cameras, anywhere from twenty to one hundred and fifty, depending on whatever the specs are. Mm-hmm. Some of them can be, uh, some of them are RGB purely, and they use machine learning. Some of them are RGB depth, and mm-hmm. they they reconstruct. Um, for the most part, those are manufacturers. There's about seven or eight of the the like expensive stages and then there's probably about seven or eight of the the medium more affordable stages and um one of the biggest differences of the two is the capture range so having more space to capture in mm-hmm. and the frame rate are the two biggest differences and obviously in some cases the color of the data but mm. those are the biggest differences between the high end and the you know i, I hate i'm sorry i keep using the word mid-grade it's because it's Certainly no, better mid grade, but it's it's the easiest way to dif- differentiate because it's certainly not certainly not low budget and mm-hmm. you know, they can do some really cool stuff. Um, yeah. But so so yeah so the cap so a specific system captures all the content simultaneously, reconstructs the three D object. You output if you're going to a game engine, you can you can output to their proprietary plugins. But in our case, you usually output either to OBJs, PLYs, or Alembic with PNG uh, PNG textures, mm-hmm. and the textures are usually eight or ten bit, depending. Mm. Gotcha. Um, 
and they, they range from 2K to 4K usually. Mm-hmm. I've seen a little bit of 8K, but um, it looked like they just it looks just scaled up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but um, you know, um, cool stuff. But yeah, it's it's a really cool art form, and like I said, it's it's just now production viable. Where like you're saying, if a company has a budget, the the companies shooting this uh, have the competency to to do it correctly. And then, in some cases, we're the middleware. We pick up that content from them mm-hmm. and make the art, make the assets art directable. So then, like yeah. we were saying mm-hmm. earlier, you can paint things on the characters. The UV set we give, uh, it can be laid out any way you want because we've got you know it's just point deformation at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and we can and so we do solve markerless motion capture rigs, biped rigs, traditional rigs. So you can add a separate animation layer after the fact to it, but it's that skeleton has the existing animation baked into it already, if that makes sure. sense. Yeah. So so um, it's a matter of offsetting it with animation layers, similar to what Motion Builder back in the day, how that, I haven't used Motion Builder in 10 years, so I, they mm-hmm. didn't use that, you know, so. I was going to ask you what the strangest thing is that you've captured. I mean, you already showed us the the horse thing, but is there anything? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> anything else? Uh, we shot some magician people. Uh, hey, we shot one of the Power Rangers stunt guys. He does a backflip. So like, we we shot a backflip. That was a that was a big thing on my checklist. I want to shoot somebody backflipping. So, mm-hmm. um, craziest thing. We almost shot a tiger. Somebody else shot a tiger. Uh, and the reason we didn't is because we saw the capture and the fur is just like, it looks like a wet tiger and it's there's no, <laughs> there's no way around it. You know, like uh-huh. when it solves the polygons, it's just the hair just gets smushed in, you know? Yeah. So I so imagine it's hard. We, to, that's a lot of dulling spray as well, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. But but we, we did a Old Spice spec with a dude that was supposed to be like a guys doing air guitar in the shower because they have like an air guitar flavor or whatever uh-huh. <laughs> and, and so it's we delicious. jokingly gave the guy we one of our friends had a like a really classic early 70s gibson sg like like the kind you hang on the wall so we mm-hmm. so we had the guy we shot it separately and we had the guy perform like he's in a bathtub in a towel and everything and then we we comp the the guitar later and it was a nightmare just because like you know the the detail and he's he's not moving around a lot which made it even worse you know uh-huh. like 3d tracking when it, things are wobbling a little bit so yeah we we never released that but <laughs> <laughs> but it was a fun ex- it was real early on for us with our testing we didn't have any uh we weren't wild capture yet we didn't have our uh you know we were still figuring out what we were doing right mm-hmm. yeah Actually, that's right around when we decided to be wall capture. But that's cool. I don't yeah. know if there's any other questions uh, in the chat uh, currently. If there are, go ahead and put those in. Um, in the meantime, though, we we got a whole slew of questions that we like to ask our guests when they're on for the first time because it helps to mm-hmm. sometimes show a little bit about their background and and where they're coming from in some of their yeah. endeavors and. Uh, so the first one we're going to ask you is, is uh, your favorite movie. And, th- and these can be all-time or recent. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I, I used to say Big Fish. 
because it was like fantastical. It was like it was a pretty movie. Mm-hmm. It, it had a little bit of everything. Uh, I'm sure I have a different answer today, but like I don't have time to enjoy movies. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I, I wish, you know, I wish I had more time for that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. It's like finally, finally after COVID, all of these shows are coming back, and I don't even have yeah. time yep. to catch up on them. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I finally saw Lightyear this weekend. It was all right. Oh yeah, so yeah. I have to bring my son to that. Yeah, I took my I took my kid. It's weird because it's like Lightyear is the movie that the toy is based on in the Toy Story universe, but it's not but actually the him. toys. But the toys that it doesn't look like him. Like it's technically Lightyear live action for Andy, <laughs> or is are, are, it cartoon? Yeah. You know. Are they trolling kids? Because there's a kid that would confuse the crap out of me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So, uh, what yeah. about TV shows? Speaking of not being able to watch anything, right? They they keep canceling everything I like to watch. <laughs> so the, the most recent one I liked, and but I also like it. It made it uneasy for me to watch too. Was that Ridley Scott Raised by Wolves show? You see oh, that? Man. Oh, I watched. I that was watched like, probably for, like. Was like yeah, three episodes or four episodes of that, and that was it was weird. I couldn't. Yeah, get it doesn't into make it. any sense, but it's it's like visually interesting. And then I like yeah. that uh, Severance show on for the same reason of weirdness. Severance mm-hmm. on uh, Apple was just super yeah. bizarre, and I was just like, wow, I, I'm captivated by these bizarre shows because I just want to see something a little bit different, like shocking, but not like gore shocking or violence shocking just other kinds of shocking yeah right. uh yeah. matt has a question here in the chat so i uh so i have a question i have 10x connect v2s instead of connect azures are they useless for this level of volumetric capture that that y'all are doing they're certainly not use, useless there's there's actually a company to check out called uh scatter okay um I think that's the name of the company. They they have they, that might be the name of the product, but they they connect those depth ca- cameras. Um, and uh, another company we talk with is Soar. I'm not sure S O A R. I'm not sure if, if they're. I'm not sure how they do it, so I might be off with them. But I know Scatter has a product. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Depth kit. Yeah, yeah. Depth kit. TV. Yep, okay. Exactly. So that's pretty good. That's. That's the one that a lot of people getting into this, you see, because you can do some cool motion graphics stuff. So mm-hmm. um, the, a lot of the, the capture systems we're using are pretty high-end machine learning cameras for, for uh, the company we mostly work with is called 4D Views. Okay. So 4D, like Cinema 4D, but mm-hmm. then Views. And they're okay. out of France. And we like them uh, pretty much because it's the right amount of customization. So uh, my partner, Lewis, is a cinematographer, so he knows lights and cameras like like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's able to beautify the faces just simply by changing the lighting, playing, playing with the camera controls like you were saying earlier. Uh, you can adjust the f-stop on the actual machine cameras, so adding more light in some cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, get you know better results um and you can play with the contrast because in a lot of cases some of these stages have difficulty constructing body features 
Mm-hmm. So you'll see the nose sometimes is missing data, mm-hmm. um, especially if somebody like does a lot of head turning or something. Um, it just kind of like blends in. But um, you get like a lot of specular on the nose. I'm I'm assuming that that kind of thing. I've noticed that like when I'm using my my crappy one that I have. Mm-hmm. You know, there's certain things that'll freak it out. You know, I guess that's why I use the dull spray. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, it luckily it wipes right off because we we've, we've sprayed some pretty expensive things with that dull spray, <laughs> like jewelry and everything. Yeah, I I have um, it's it's the newer version of the Connect, the new one that they came out with. But I know a lot of people like those Intel cameras. But if I'm if I'm not mistaken, they they stopped making them or something. And they changed. Uh, it's tricky because they discontinued something, but they kept something else going, and I don't. I think they're still selling the cameras. That department's just not making industrial grade sensors or something. I, I don't know. Uh, I talked to them a little bit when I was at Intel. They had a whole team doing some really cool stuff. Um, but unfortunately, the distance that travel that signal travels is very shallow. Mm-hmm. So you can't, you know, you can't go great distances. So right. it'll be great when there's like a shotgun mic version of this. Right, 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 right. You can like. Oh, oh man! All the nature photography of like the dangerous animals and holograms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that would yeah. be cool. That'd be cool to put a uh, um, one of those cameras inside of a a cage a drone. at the zoo. <laughs> yeah, or a drone. Yeah, that'd yeah. Be fun. yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. What were we? Oh, music. Favorite music. Yeah. Uh, I've always liked uh, things from the jazz sort of things. Uh, I kind of grew up with the the hippie music, so Grateful Dead and Fish going to those concerts in the Northeast. Nice. So, uh, you know, with the Guns N' Roses and all that inspiration from the '80s. So, uh, but again, I uh, there's some some random bands I like. There's a band called Lotus that's kind of in that group. That's mm-hmm. a little bit more electronic. Yeah. But it's still like that jam band stuff. So, uh, I have a pretty open ear. Like just good music is good music but obviously we, when we gravitate i just stick with the stuff i know <laughs> yeah. do you have like work music that's different from your favorite music or is it all kind of the same i actually watch tv shows in the background when i can so it's like oh, okay so i get to rewatch the same you know like uh hbo on or deadwood on hbo was a popular <laughs> one because the 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 dialogue and all the dialects is so rich with personality that uh, mm-hmm. you know those kind of shows are good in the background. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> and uh, do you listen to podcasts at all, or? Um, here and there, my wife mm-hmm. usually tells me about all the murder mystery ones, but she right. spoils it for those me. Are fun. Yeah, you know. But uh, the classic. What was the original? The, what was the classic NPR one? Uh, the serial. Serial. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, male yep. kind? <laughs> um, <clears throat> the next one on the list is favorite plugin. Should be interesting. Mm. Favorite plugin. Oh, man. You can't choose a render engine either. I know, right? It's got to be. Does it, is this, are we talking Cinema 4D? Because I, I can, no, it I can, can be anything within that range. Well, yeah, this is why it's interesting. Maybe you have a, a plug-in we've never heard I'd of say ba- Well, I'd say back in the day, uh, Krakatoa was probably my favorite because cause it, unlocks, yeah. it unlocks so many things that 
and and it, for a minute there, particles were better in in Cinema 4D than in 3ds Max because of the single threaded stuff you deal with at the P flow. So, personally, uh, that was right around when I was in doing fume effects. You know, I was an early adopter of all that mm-hmm. stuff. So, real flow fume effect. You know, like the, all those when those were the flavors of the month. That's where I was. Mm-hmm. And, I remember um, a lot of people talking about that, oh, and I wow. couldn't get myself a copy. It was too expensive. Yeah. Well, I uh, I tried to buy it, tried to buy it, you know, but I, uh-huh. I didn't use it. Prefer- I didn't, you know, it was all indie stuff. So yeah, it was arguably a trial license. Yeah, but but yeah, because Fume Effects wasn't cheap back in the day, and mm-hmm. right, and and I was installing it on. I was doing the whole Autodesk one month wipe your hard drive one <laughs> right. month, you know, cause, like I. <laughs> I, I wasn't good enough at the time to be paid to be a 3ds Max artist, so right. I was just yeah. like, you know, <laughs> you know, it was that period? It was that uh, we all go early through that 2000s period or, or mid 2000s. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we all go through that period, you know. Yeah, but I, I mean, I learned a ton of stuff, and I'm psyched that nowadays a lot of those companies or a lot of the companies making plugins do the freeware trial uh yeah same they give you the, they they give it to you like even if they watermark it who cares that's awesome they're giving yeah. you the features to play with yeah and, yeah and it it certainly makes the whole artist group uh more competent yeah because yeah. if there's a free version you can at least access then when you get the the mm-hmm. a client coming to you or whatever you're like all right time to buy you know yeah so yeah it's a good way that's how they 100%. get you yeah I mean, the, the, right there is almost the monetization system somebody should use all this blockchain for is tracking when people use software professionally, yeah. personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's coming for sure. Yeah. Um, what about uh, go-to app? What's your muscle memory app on your phone? I mean, since I've been doing this, it's probably LinkedIn because I have to correspond with everybody. Yeah. But <laughs> see, Hopefully they're not listening because I can't stand <laughs> I can't stand social media. Yeah. So yeah. it's painful. It's 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 great. I love corresponding with the people in this industry and what this opportunity of starting this business has done. Like uh, it's given me the opportunity to meet so many people that uh, I might have just walked by at a mixer or something before. Mm-hmm. So I li- I like that I'm forced to engage everybody and and it's been a really rewarding experience meeting everybody. Yeah. I need to get into LinkedIn more. I just I don't yeah. know why. I'm just it just it feels like it feels like Facebook or it feels like old Facebook even like just, yeah I don't know yeah well I don't Feel- like it because you have to sell yourself all the time so it's right like, right you are almost smoothie have to be, Facebook yeah so like, <laughs> I always like the memes when people like make fun of like this is this is what you say you do and this is what you really do because right. Like, right, okay, right, right 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 like, <laughs> there's not a single person on there that's that's uh, lives up or is is truly modest with what they're saying there and you sh- you can't mm-hmm. be it's like a you know it breeds that level of uh confidence yeah That's here's fun. what i say i do and it's like your demo reel here's what i actually mm-hmm. do email 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 yeah. email right. email email <laughs> yeah right where's my invoice where's my invoice where's my invoice? pay me pay me yep. pay me yeah um this should be interesting video games do you play any Video games. I haven't played in a while. I used to like the... So, uh, for a little while, I worked on a 
interesting game, Star Wars Galaxies, like on the okay. community side. Okay. And so that got me. I never liked the World of Warcraft game because it was like on rails or something. But I loved this other Star Wars Galaxies game because you could just build a city and just like say screw objectives, whatever, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. host a party of people. So it actually was like the first real social game engine that I, I played on. And so I, I like that, but I also like the, the open world games, I guess you could say. So, mm-hmm. but I only have like for the Grand Theft Auto type games, I only have like four days of attention span. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so I like, go through phases with that stuff, you know? And on the third day, I'm downloading cheat codes and mods to oh, like, yeah. <laughs> be able to fly or yeah. like infinity rocket launchers or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Or so. like me, I'll I'll just you know go ahead and pay real money for the in-game, yes. the in game currency so that I can just get to the point and buy myself mm-hmm. that tank I want so bad for a million bucks, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do. I'm too impatient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now the the last one, this is a tough one. This is a life hack, and this could be something funny. It could be something actually useful. It doesn't matter. Uh, Mitch Myers is the example we give. He, he says, turn your Toaster, toaster on its side for some bomb ass grilled cheese. Okay. So, uh, what what would what would you say is a good life hack? If you could recommend good any life, life hack. hack to somebody. Well, the the one I used to use before uh, debit cards that that would always work is when you're at a drive through window uh, and you need you don't have the exact change. You just purposely drop the change all over the place. Oh, and, that's awful. And and. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good and they're like oh don't worry you about don't, it right like, you don't you don't greatly underpay like you know what i mean like, you'll be a jerk about it but like if 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 it's own you know 109 and you only have 105 you just drop the drop those coins you know yeah that's funny take a penny take a penny i saw i saw a uh tiktok unethical life hack the other day where uh they had two friends right someone went through the drive through and then some some other car got in the middle, and then the other one went to the next one. And so the first person just ordered a, a soda, right? And then went through, and they said, "Hey, can I pay for the person behind me?" Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so then the next person, then the th- the their other friend who was at the last place ordered what they really wanted, so that the person in min- in between would pay for the person behind them. Right. <laughs> and they ordered like right, so they ended up, worth of food. Yeah, yeah. exactly. This, this is those when, when you you're racing to get your you know the two lane drive throughs or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But here's <laughs> the thing, like here's the thing about paying it backwards, especially at Starbucks, right? Only mm-hmm. one person is going to benefit from that in the end, right? And that's the last person. That's whoever decides that they're not going to pay for the person behind them, right? So you shouldn't feel bad. I mean, somebody's got to be the benefactor, right? Right. Yeah. Right. And and I and, and for the record, I don't play the the I don't play the the change game on tips <laughs> with regards to tips, you know, because Starbucks yeah. I tip those people, you know. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's it. That's it for our stuff uh, on the Mographic Men's list. Um, I don't know if yeah. anybody has any more questions or not. And anything that we didn't cover? I think we. I feel like we covered a lot. It's such an interesting interesting field, you know. It's so much. Yeah. It, it's it's like I mean it's motion graphics it's 3D animation and stuff like that but it's such a it's so different than what we're doing on a daily basis right you know and it's so interesting yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to it's nice to have uh, something a little off the beaten path every once in a while to get yeah for sure to get our brains well, going. Yeah, yeah. Pleased to be here, and uh, this this space certainly needs artists. So you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. these we're we're enabling the, you know the job we're doing is just enabling these digital humans to be art directed. The mm-hmm. we need the artists to meet us in that handshake and take over and say. You know, I want to see that. I want to see them do this. I want to see them do that. And so, mm-hmm. so that's, you know, for us, that's the most rewarding part of being in this particular industry. Is you guys are tinkerers. You uh, yeah, <laughs> you mess with things. It's it's fun to you know. And and I, I love it when funny things come out of it too. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of humorous mm-hmm. motion graphics. So it's, I'm sure with digital humans, it's gonna. And you guys were referencing the Beeple stuff earlier. So mm-hmm. could you imagine the weird stuff he'd create with these right. digital humans. <laughs> right? Yeah, we should we should get him get him out to a yeah. studio and have him do some fun stuff, yeah. you know. <laughs> I, I reached out to him years ago to try to hire him for a thing when he did that Erica Badu thing. Like we're mm-hmm. we're talking like before he was the you know before he was people. Before, the the yeah. icon yeah. he is. Yeah. Right? But yeah. but uh he I mean he was an instant hit by releasing all those free uh the VJ, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. the, the VJ files, and, and like, yeah. Yeah. I remember opening those and just being like, "This is this is black magic in these files." Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I opened up the uh, the files for that short film he did. Uh, oh gosh, what was it called? I almost had it. Um, this is probably like twenty fourteen or something. Yeah, the people was in the houses one? or whatever. Uh, the it glass was the one, one. It was the one with the. You're inside kind of a tech environment, and there's news clips playing and stuff. Okay, that, yeah, yeah, that one. It was Thank Octane, you. and Octane was mm-hmm. really just zero day on the scene. Zero day, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, was, yeah, yep, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was back right around when I, I didn't get into. I always thought Octane was incredible, but I didn't get into it just for whatever reason. So when he started releasing those, I was just like, yeah, I can't play with these files. <laughs> oh, I loved it. I was just getting an octane too, and I was like, "This is mm-hmm. perfect." I'm learning so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, yeah. the people who adopted octane had that distinct advantage over people right at that that, that hot time. moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, if if people want to find you online, uh, how can they get a hold of you if they want to ask some questions and uh, learn more? Yeah, well, we're we're wildcapture.io our website we've got uh, a digital human blog there so there's a ton of information we're trying like i said it's it goes beyond what our company's doing we're trying to evangelize the biometric video digital human uh industry a little bit um Mm -hmm. so uh you know reaching out there is probably the easiest way like i said I'm, i'm on linkedin as i mentioned earlier but uh i i love to use it so much no, but but, but I, I do I do like meeting new people and my door is open for anybody that wants to ask us about this and uh, you know we we're, we're open to working with artists we're we try to bring people who have the right attitude onto projects with us so mm-hmm. that's kind of how we've been doing our initial uh, collaboration with artists um, but, but we just started we, we literally just started getting going too so yeah it's all ramping up literally since three or four months ago 
Cool. About uh, the the grams or Twitter or anything, are you you posting stuff on there as well? Or yeah, I know you said you don't really like social media. Yeah, my my partner my partner Lewis covers a handful of that. Uh, he's a cinematographer, Lewis Normandin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also the COO of the company, uh, but he's very very personable. Uh, he makes up for my crass whatever. <laughs> Just skip straight uh, to TikTok. Just go right to TikTok. Yeah, yeah. That's where you need to be right? anyway. Right? Well, what's coming after TikTok? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, like, just spare me having to adopt a new platform. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're going to be in TikTok for a while. So yeah. mm-hmm. it's a good spot. I think you could, mm-hmm. you probably get a lot of traction on, you know, putting some of these samples up on TikTok or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know, I know other people have in this space. I mean, the answers will probably get around to it. And uh, if you guys think, there's a demand for it. We'll check it out. Cool. Well, we appreciate you being on. Uh, we're mm-hmm. gonna we're gonna get out of here. You can uh, you can rate us on iTunes. Leave a review. Uh, it helps get our ratings up. Subscribe on your podcatcher of choice, uh, and uh, you can say you've been there, done that, got the T-shirt with the MoGraph logo T. Paul Bab, feel the Bab 2020 shirt. All the profits from that go to Doctors Without Borders. The Render Things T-shirt, hoodie, and long sleeve tee. The uh, MoGraph Blandishment shirt, and of course the That Render is Fire shirt, which you are only allowed to wear ironically, unless you're Shams. Yeah. And uh, if you want to get a hold of us, remember info at MoGraph.com. Send in your questions, send in your show mm-hmm. topic ideas and all the things. And uh, check out MoGraph TV, MoGraph.com slash TV, or you can just see it straight on our YouTube, YouTube.com slash MoGraph. You can find it mm-hmm. on there and uh, turn it on at your place of business. Put it on mm-hmm. at your college you're at. Put it on uh, on your spare TV when you're working and yep. uh, turn it on and yank the knob off. Yeah. You might be watching so it right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's always something cool on. And um, so uh, make sure you tune into that. Subscribe. And did I forget anything? Uh, yeah, we're on YouTube, MoGraph.com. If you're looking for a show... Uh, I uh, show schedule or anything like that see who's coming up uh, next week Monday is the 4th of July so we will not be having a show mm-hmm. and uh, the week after that Matt will be out of town but we're still going to have a show Jags is going to mm-hmm. be uh, guest hosting guest um, host and uh, we're going to be have... the best episode watch <laughs> everyone will be like dude that Matt guy no way <laughs> so that's the that day we're going to have our uh, the resident AI uh, Ellie Wade mm-hmm. yes <laughs> join us and um i'm sad i'm gonna, gonna miss that one. one i know yeah. i know yeah. uh she had to, I'll have to call in from uh from from disney, disney world yeah 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 for sure <laughs> cool cool well that about wraps it up we're gonna get out of here until next time i'm dave and i'm matt i'm will thanks have a good one later yo Pretty good, I guess. MoGraph.com, an online resource for motion graphic artists. Start your week with the MoGraph podcast. Industry news, interviews with your favorite artists, and terrible humor. Watch live shows and interviews from MoGraph events like NAB, SeaGraph, HalfRes, and local meetups. (laughs) 
Our MoGraph talks feature live demos and motivation from artists all around the world. Sometimes you got to make stuff that you're not going to put on your reel, and I'm not here to judge. What if Rick and Morty show up for the countdown at midnight? That's where I peaked in life, in my career. we got to stop this thing, Rick! It's going to kill us all! Hear from the people that create your software, design your render engines, and artists that are changing the face of modern motion graphics. You get that render done. Yeah, you better frame frame what? MoGraph tutorials and online classes will teach you about Cinema 4D, After Effects, as well as other popular software and render engines. Throw in the HDR Studio, take the render settings, pick the HDR, put a reflection, and gorgeous. Branch into new software. Learn time-saving tips, techniques, workflows, and lessons that'll keep you up to date in the world of motion design. Oh, brother, those are some of my favorite elves. I love projects that scare me. When our art director comes to us and asks for something that I had never done before, man, it gets me pumped. Join the conversation in our live sessions. Check out our plugins or join the hundreds of daily active users in our Slack channel for technical help, advice, contests, or just to joke around. Real nice banana. Ah, that's so funny. All right. I'm going to live forever. <laughs> Subscribe today and get the latest updates on our YouTube and other social media channels. Take all your dreams and just do it! We don't care how you get here, folks. Just get here. Subscribe to MoGraph.com.